Well, good morning, good morning once again. Thank you for joining us for this one-hour program, African Dialogue, where we contextualize the big African issues. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, on the shortwave service on the frequency 9625 kHz. It's on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. Thank you if you're listening to us via DSTV on channel 802. And you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. We have a, a lighter but serious conversation today uh, looking at uh, the World Cup, asking the question, why did African teams fail to secure a place in the World Cup final stages? Uh, did we actually have this passion? Maybe there was that passion. You saw it in Senegal especially. Uh, did we have the drive? Definitely, it was kind of there uh, in that beginning of the uh, uh, whole tournament. But in the later stages, we just saw uh, countries such as Egypt, Morocco, Nigeria, and Senegal just losing that particular steam. Uh, the latest was FIFA President Gianni Infantino has expressed his disappointment that Africa failed to secure a place in the 2018 World Cup knockout stages. What's also very sad about this is that Africa was the only continent represented at the World Cup finals that failed to make it to the final round of 16 teams that remained. Why are we finding ourselves having this problem? Well, to help me on this in our studio, I have Tabi Suntimo who's going to co-present with me. He's also one of our editors here at Channel Africa. We also have Tiani Ramabasa, sports analyst, joining us on the line. We also have Dwayne Locke, who is an SAB sports commentator. He's been doing a great job here at the SABC on actually covering the World Cup in itself. But let's start with you, uh, Tabiso, in terms of that question. All five teams are now out. Egypt, Morocco, Nigeria, Senegal, and Tunisia exited the competition in the group stages. That was sad to see. It would appear that all these teams fell short of what was expected of them. Is this true? It is. It, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a true reflection of uh, where Africa is in terms of catching up with the rest of the world. Africa is two steps back. Everyone else is way ahead. Technically and tactically, we still found uh, wanting. Um, and, and as a result, the, the performance, we cannot blame them. They gave it their, their best shot. But uh, it was the decisions were very, very marginal. It shows that we are, st- we are still two steps back from uh, the rest of the world. The world has moved. Africa needs to move and catch up. And the only way that Africa has to do is to turn it around and produce high-caliber World Cup players. We're still running short at that level. Mm. Tiani, what are your thoughts? Uh, Where are we falling short? Yeah, it's, uh, I think, um, you know, it has to do with the, with the basics. You know, we, we don't seem to, uh, to focus on uh, what the, world, the the rest of the world, you know, uh, is doing in terms of uh, football, you know. Just to give you a, a, a practical example, you know, with mm. development, 
Uh, I mean, you look at South Africa, where are we in terms of uh, development? You know, players have to be developed from an early age uh, to, to, to get to, uh, to, to a world-class level, you know. But here in South Africa, uh, just to give an example with us, you know, we, we, we seem to, you know, not take development seriously, you know. And uh, our players, mm. you know, you look at them uh, in, the, in, in the professional ranks, some of them can't even tread the ball, you know. Um, that must tell you a lot in terms of where they come from. Um, you know, um, I remember there was even a, a comparison, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think we took that seriously. I remember at one point they said uh, Germany has about 25,000 UFA-licensed uh, coaches, mm-hmm. and I think at the time we were about 25, you know. Wow. So you can see the difference, you know, in terms of the players uh, at the junior level. Mm. Uh, they're not in the right hands as far as South Africa is concerned, and, and the rest of Africa and the rest of the continent. They're not in the right hands. Imagine mm. uh, uh, in a school, for example. I remember in the past they used to say there's a math teacher who just happens to love football. He's the one who's going to coach the kids. Even if uh, that teacher <laughs> bumps into a talented child, mm. uh, this, this player can go all the way to, 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 to play uh, well uh, in, in the world, but... Uh, uh, you know, you find that that teacher doesn't have the expertise to correct what's wrong uh, with that player at that particular age. That's why they'll get to a senior level and they still can't do the basics. You know, so mm-hmm. that's where we are. Well, Dwayne, what are your thoughts? Uh, we hear uh, Tabiso highlighting that on a technical level, we're still not there. Tiani uh, saying the fact that we still are struggling when it comes to the development of soccer on the African continent. And uh, we already know that it's not really uh, that bad in terms of when you look at historically I mean three African teams made it to uh, the World Cup quarterfinals Cameroon in 1919 Italy Senegal in 2000 and two Ghana in 2010 in, in South Africa uh, are we being too hard on ourselves? Yeah, Benjamin firstly let me apologize for not being able to make it directly into studio today uh, otherwise uh, signed effectively but uh, but yeah I think look the valid points that have been made and there's so many points that we can make but I mean take a look at South America for example where between the ages of 12 and 16 sure. players are basically being taught to shoot a goal whereas we're still dribbling one another in in streets and pitches all, all around the country but even then you look at these uh, the, the, the South American teams and their success rate at this World Cup let's let's face it it's not great bar uh, Uruguay and, and, and Brazil, and even then they've looked a little scratchy at times. I think this is an extraordinary World Cup in the sense that we're looking at a World Cup in which only three teams in the world's top ten are actually in the last eight. We're almost certainly set to see a new team uh, make it through to the final of this uh, this World Cup. So I don't think we've got to be too harsh and too critical. We've also got to look at it and say, realistically, Senegal were ridiculously unlucky not to get uh, get through to the next mm. stages having done the hard work and unfortunately lost to a Colombian side that showed some inspiration at the end and like <laughs> like Nigeria mm. got uh, confined to to a loss owing to a defender who popped up late on in a game mm. and managed to steer a ball home that's that's a little uh, unlucky when you consider as well that for the first time in history a team was relegated to not advancing because of a fair play uh, rule or, or disciplinary record, and bear in mind the two yellow cards that effectively um, consigned Senegal to that defeat came against Japan in the closing minutes of their two-all draw. 
So I think I think you've, you've also got to look at uh, at every African team. They all played very different football. I thought Tunisia were the poorest team, mm. but against Belgium and and England, they scored more goals than than any other mm. the, any other team in the um, African team in the in the competition. I think uh, I think you've got to look at Egypt and say while they are not a one man team entirely, that. Mohamed Salah being injured for the opening game did mean something and perhaps wasn't 100% fit, but the team let themselves down in the, in the final match against Saudi Arabia when they had an opportunity to prove that they weren't just a team that was relying on uh, Mohamed Salah when they had an opportunity to snatch a win and claim something. Um, but we, we can also say with certainty that Marwan Mohsen is as good as he is domestically. One goal in 23 internationals doesn't replace a Mohamed Salah who can bang in 40 or 50 mm. in the season. And that's, that's, that's something that we, we need to look at realistically. I think Morocco were a side that covered themselves in glory for a large part. Mm. They frustrated Spain at every juncture, scored a couple of goals. They dominated Portugal and they dominated Iran and they both lost both those games by a one-goal margin. We can't just look at it as a blanket and say, sure. well, Africa failed, this is a dismal performance, and yes, for the first time in 36 years at a World Cup, there's no African team in the, in the knockout stages. I think we have to look at the reality and say that maybe we've got to start talking about how we find better finishing mm. when you are dominating an opponent. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about the ability of trying to grind out the results in tough matches or close mm. matches. I think there are, there are a couple of positives to be had, and I think the fact that there was so much inexperience with many of these teams as well does bode well for the future. I mean, even Nigeria have been to what, all but one of the last seven World Cups. Mm. They had 18 of their 23 squad members who had never been to a World Cup before. So a lot of inexperience from, from the, the African players overall. And sometimes it takes one or two World Cups behind you to be able to overcome um, these, these, uh, these nerves mm. that are required on the grand stage. Well, uh, Dwayne, actually complicating the conversation here, but I need to come to a break. I'm going to come to you, Tabi, so I know you want to respond to that. Actually, Dwayne, bring those nuances of what happened during the game. I want your response uh, from you and uh, Tiani. Uh, today we're asking the question, why do you think that Africa didn't actually make it to uh, the last uh, 16? What are your thoughts uh, on this particular matter? Remember, we are on Channel Africa. Channel Africa one or at uh, African Dialogue. Give us your thoughts on uh, this particular matter. Uh, it sounds very complex after that answer from Dwayne. Not very simple to really uh, pen uh, where we went wrong. But let's take a quick one. We'll be back after this. Of 
definitely that's what we are about uh, telling the African narrative uh, really unpacking the stories of the African continent well today we hardly look at sports but hey we had no choice but to look at this big issue of why uh, African soccer teams are now out of the World Cup of 2018 various dynamics that are coming from our panels being a very interesting 20 minutes starting the program Vgotiani um, Wamabasa who is a sports analyst joining us on the line Dwayne Delock who is SABC sports commentator and Tabison Dema who is co-presenting with me and also giving us his views on some of the matters that were highlighted uh, Dwayne making it more complex in how we look at this particular issue of West African teams he says it's, it's more nuanced of what happened at this particular World Cup but what was interesting was to see the West Africans became the first team to exit the World Cup for their disciplinary record as they came third in Group H behind uh, Japan with whom they had finished level on points, goal difference and goal scored but they failed to qualify after FIFA introduced a rule for this World Cup whereby teams had had um, identical records should be separated on their on-field discipline. That was interesting. Interesting. It's a word that I wouldn't like to use. That's unfair. <laughs> that thing should not be used in football. Sure. The most logical thing that FIFA could have done, they could have said, in the event, there is a tie in everything. There was a rest day. Why didn't FIFA say, in case there is a tie, both teams should enter the field and play. One must go out. You don't get to be knocked out simply because you collected a yellow card. I'm arguing that on the basis that if we were to go back and review all the, all the yellow cards that Senegal uh, received and Japan re- received, most of them are, are, are really debatable. And most of them, they came at the discretion of uh, the ref at that particular time. But if we were to go back and watch the visuals, I am sure that most of them would be rescinded. Hence, I am saying that you have a rule that says FIFA uh, fair play, the yellow cards are going to come into being. Are they questioned? Can you debate them? No, you can't. It's uh, the referee's discretion. And we have seen that there was a little bit of bias in uh, the decisions taken by the referee, the VAR having having to overrule the referee's decisions and all. It's all those dynamics, Mm. which I'm saying this rule should be struck off. It shouldn't apply that a team should be knocked out on the basis of... Do you think Senegal was cheated in this regard? They were not cheated. It's rules. All uh, teams, 32 of them nations that qualified for the World Cup, got the rules handbook from FIFA months before. When they start preparations, the handbook was there. Mm. They read the rules, the do's and the don'ts. They knew about the law. And all 32 did not object. So, so all you're saying, you still disagree I, with this I, rule? I still disagree with that rule. It's, it's absolutely not fair. Because, because most of the yellow cards can be uh, debated. And if you were to review with VAR, some of them would be rescinded. So the most logical and the mm. fair part is to say, okay, uh, these uh, two teams are now tied mm. on everything. Mm. Let, them, let, let it be a straight shootout. Mm. Let them get into a field, play 90 minutes, one must knock each other out. That is fair for everybody. Mm. Not the way that it was done. Unfortunately, Senegal had to go that route and mm. become the first uh, nation in the history of the World Cup to mm. fail to qualify to the next round because of uh, that particular rule. I think most of the associations will go back after the World Cup, Mm. look at that and pick up the issue with FIFA at the next uh, FIFA uh, Congress. Coming to other points which were raised by Dwayne, facts are facts. We can glorify the whole thing and said we played whatever 
Facts are facts. Africa is not in the second round. And that shows that we are two steps back. And I'll tell you why. The teams that went through, we have young teams who have never played World Cup. They've played in Euro, Euro, Euro Championships, which the level is much higher than the, our Africa Cup of Nations. Mm. We have players in those nations which went there, which are growing up in proper uh, development academies. Academies like in, in Brazil, they have academies which specializes in Jinga. Your dribbling wizard like Ronaldo, your name, they come from uh, that academy. Is Jinga have, a style of play? Yeah, it's a style of play <laughs> okay. where they're the dribbling. All that, right, yeah, thanks for schooling me. Man. Yeah, it's called uh, Jinga. They have various mm. uh, academies from mm. goalkeepers to defenders to mm. strikers where at a young age they are being honed to do things right. Mm. And they have classes where they are taught the technical and the tactical aspects of the game. Mm. Technical goes into how they kick the ball, the controlling, it goes with basics. Mm. Tactical is the intelligence. They instill and they teach players to be intelligent. They know at which point of the field they must dribble, at which point not to dribble, at what angle to shoot, at what angle not to shoot. Mm. Now you have intelligent players against unintelligent uh, oh, players. Oh, that is a that's a sore note, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a reality. I'll okay. give you an example. If you go to Manchester, Alex Ferguson, they have a program in Manchester United whereby they will take a player and say, this is Cristiano Ronaldo and begin to dissect him. Mm. They will say Cristiano Ronaldo runs 100 meters at 8.5 uh, seconds. They will say he's got the power physical strength. Mm. They'll say his ability to, 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 to hit the ball is second to none. And then when Man United plays against let's say they, they play against Tottenham. They look at the defender, all uh, number of defenders who are going to who are possible to be marking uh, Ronaldo. Mm. And on those bases, now you have a superior player against an inferior player. Okay, let me bring and this is where sure. and this is where it all counted. All right. The intelligence I, of the players of European and South Americans it's much higher than African players. All right, let me bring it to you, Tiani. Let's go back to how Senegal came out. I want to touch on that point before we go to uh, the issues of coaching and development that uh, uh, Tabiso is highlighting here. What were your thoughts mm. of that uh, technical exit? Oh, you mean the, the yellow card issue? Yes, yeah. yes. The bottom line is all the teams knew about it, right? Okay. <laughs> so you can't run away from that. You know, it's not like one team knew and the other one didn't know. So uh, the thing is, the reality is that um, they, they they all knew and uh, they, 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 they basically, um, you know, didn't respect that rule. So I don't really buy the issue that, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's it, it's not a good thing to implement, you know. It may not be a good thing to implement, but at the end of the day, it's something that uh, uh, Senegal will aware of. Mm, mm. All right, and and also the, the issue of, you know, the the knowledge capacity of our players is what um, Tabiso is highlighting from a tactical mm. play perspective, and also uh, when it comes to tactics. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on that regard? Because I hear what Dwayne is, hi- is highlighting here. Maybe this World Cup was very dynamic. We saw, you know, 
you know, teams that we didn't really expect to do so well, doing who, well, who are doing very well, but Africa mm. was still so nuanced in that position. We had hope for Senegal at a, a particular point. We had hope for Nigeria, but it it was more nuanced as Dwayne highlights. Yeah, no, like you know, when you when you, when you get into those aspects, you you, you obviously uh, take the conversation back to development. You know, uh, I mean. Um, I think it was Dwayne who mentioned the, 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 the shooting part. Um, if, if you have players who can't finish at this level, uh, you, know, you, just have to look, you just have to look where they come from, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, it, it's a problem for us, you know, in Africa that uh, we, we don't take our chances. But what are we doing about it to address the problem? You know, we just keep talking about it, we just keep moving, and we do nothing about it, you know. And we're not investing in, 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 in this whole thing called development and yet we expect to come out and, and, and compete Better against the mm-hmm. You know, we do have talented players. There's no question about that. But mm. talented player who can tap the ball, a talented player who can finish an easy chance, uh, is useless at the end of the day. All you right. know what I mean? I wanna, I wanna... So you can have all those guys, you know, understand. You know, you can have all those guys. They, can, they, they have the same ability as anybody else in the world. But they like the basics mm. that others have. I want to take the conversation forward a little bit with you, Dwayne. I don't want us to stay here, but there's another element that's very interesting where you, you see either African uh, players that were not born in Africa. Some of them were born on the continent, and we know Africa could provide a top choice for fans in terms of uh, the Africans that are part of that particular team. And it was very interesting to see a team such as France with 15 players in the 23-man squad that have some connection in the continent. Is this problematic or something that, celebrate, that Africans should celebrate and it's something that we should actually see as part of the globalization of the sports? Look, I think uh, I think the diaspora that you refer to is something that is not uh, unique to Africa, but uh, but it is something that we've noticed is, is, is certainly proved to be a bit of a drain on on football and footballing talent. That said, the opportunities are different when you're in uh, various various countries. Mm. There, there are there are many families that felt they needed to leave countries for reasons that range from civil war to fresher opportunities, and and found themselves in largely European countries. It must be said. And as a result, uh, children perhaps had the opportunities to go to academies from a younger age where they were refined as footballers. And, and, and the, the end result, of course, is the fact mm-hmm. that you, you're seeing players who might have been born in Africa or uh, whose parents were born in Africa mm-hmm. are playing for, for teams on a, on a grand stage. Whether or not it's good or bad, I, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a very difficult one to mm-hmm. argue because you, there are times when you would argue that looking out for the individual is going to be in the best interest of that individual or their, their family, uh, whereas there are others who would argue the, the merits of, of sticking together as a community or, uh, or a group. That said, it's, 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 uh, it's something that has been highlighted, I think, for a long time regarding uh, the, 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 the actual player drain and the pool of talent available to, to African countries because of, um, because of people that, uh, that, that have left for, for, for these various reasons over the years. Whether or not it impacts the sport, I don't necessarily believe it's, mm. it's actually the, uh, the, 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 the greatest concern. I, I, I think Gianni highlighted the fact that, that the way things are done, and, and um, Tabiso has spoken about the way that um, the, the different tactical and, and technical um, ideas are inculcated in a very early stage, that shouldn't change. Even if the, 
the, the player base of the pool were slightly smaller. I mean, mm. it, it shouldn't change. It's just it's not effective enough um, from from an African perspective. But I say credit to anybody who's gone on and and, and made themselves proud and. And and I think we should we should look at a few of these individuals who've had to overcome <laughs> immeasurable mm. odds mm. to actually get themselves into a squad where there were hundreds of other players vying for a similar position and they've come out on top. I think I think those achievements should uh, should not be um, nothing should take away from those achievements of, of, of many of the players. Oh, and I, I think of course as you as you mentioned with mm. uh, with France in particular. I mean we we still go back to '98 and highlight the likes sure. of Patrick Vieira and Marcel yeah. Desailly. Who both African born who went on to to win the World Cup. They're they are very proudly celebrated in Africa, mm. and uh, and they are very happy to acknowledge their African roots. But they're also happy to acknowledge the the advantages that they gained by being in France and what they gained from France. Mm. What are your thoughts, uh, Tiani Paul Pogba <laughs> is uh, from uh, has Guinean parents. Uh, Kylian Mbappe has uh, uh, father who hails from Cameroon and a mother from Algeria. Uh, Samuel mm-hmm. Titi has got uh, uh, parents from uh, Cameroon. But hey, we just uh, can just salivate from a fun hope that they were ours, <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, uh, Dwayne makes a very good point there. You know, I mean, um, if those players grew up in Africa and uh, didn't have these opportunities to go, uh, you know, to to be developed, you know, to to the players that they are today, would we be talking about them today, you know? Mm. Um, It just points back at the continent, you know, that, uh, yes, you do have talented players, and uh, unfortunately... Because of the situation, other countries have benefited, like uh, Dwayne mentioned, for example, civil war, uh, and so on and so on. But the bottom line is that you do have very, very good players. It just shows you that if you can have proper development structures, uh, those who remain behind, uh, you know, will be will be will, uh, will have the opportunity uh, to be de- to be developed properly and and turn out to be the the, the petit uh, petit of this world, you know. Uh, there's no question about our talent. I, I always maintain that in terms of talent, no problem. But what are we doing about that talent? Your, your thoughts on, on that dynamic? I think um, it's a very, very uh, global issue. You can't stop people from migrating. Mm. Even Australians have uh, players whose origins are from West Africa, Cameroon and other countries. And uh, the north of Africa has uh, been a constant uh, supplier of France in terms of uh, players. The West African uh, French-speaking nations, they see France as the uh, France as their home in, in Europe. And uh, for that matter, France has, is known in, in the whole of Europe as an African country in the middle of Europe. And, the, and it's no wonder why they are actually flourishing using mm-hmm. a lot of uh, brilliant talent that that they benefited from Africa for various reasons, from civil wars, from poverty, from w- whatever. They took uh, chances by grabbing all these boys, putting them in uh, academies and developing them to become the brilliant players. And as they grew, they got to be attached to, to, to France because they mm-hmm. played in the junior national mm-hmm. teams. They felt that France was part of them, mm. and hence they are willing to die for, 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 for France. And uh, the other aspect that we, we should look at is an issue of lifestyle. Mm. European and South American players who are playing professional football are living a very, very different lifestyle to what the rest of Africa uh, is doing. For example, a, a player like Messi lives on a timetable. 
Who do you do that? What happened to Jabu Pule when he left here? <laughs> he went to Australia, fell drunk and slept uh, and slept at the at the traffic light. I mean, are we and always no, going to no, use listen, Jabu Pule no, no. as an example? He, he's, he's a prime example. <laughs> always. Of, yes, of what I'm talking. Let's look at the players now. No, let's <laughs> of what? A lot of them are ending up not knowing, are ending up as uh, drunkards and hobos and everybody knows about it. Ask yourself, why why would you find a professional player who plays for a top league in South African football at a hangout at a nightclub at 1 a.m. in the morning? You'll never see that happening to, to European players who are playing professional football because they are being managed, mm. their bodies are being managed, mm. the energy that they have are being managed. You are schooling a person to become an institutionalized uh athlete somebody mm. who knows exactly that my body needs rest i need to eat what i don't have to drink what i have to be uh, training at this time i have to be swimming at this time mm. in order to prolong mm. and to give Take his body is. yeah mm. his his body an advantage mm. in, in in performing on the field and it's one of the things that uh, we are not being looked at most of the time what are we do we do oh we go for parties we've played it's just another <laughs> match uh we'll come back home euros welcome and life go, and, and life mm. goes on should have looked at the at the faces of uh, the German players when they went back home. Some felt like you know the world could just open up and swallow them mm. because of who expected Germany to be knocked out in mm. the first round. When Portugal landed, players were crying mm. to say, you know, we let our country down. Mm. Okay. Yes, other uh, African players were also crying, but majority of them were like it's just another game we are the world cup we are fine we'll play the next time around. All right, let's try wrap it up. We have around 3 minutes left. Uh, Dwayne What's the way forward here? I think there's some gains that we had from this World Cup, especially looking at a team such as Senegal. It's still a strong team that competes in in the World Cup, especially seeing how they did well as well in the previous uh, World Cup in 2002. Um, But there are inconsistencies there. But what can we take as a strength and as a lesson from this World Cup? Yeah, I think uh, I think you've also when you look at Senegal, you look at the way they changed the logistics, the way they changed the management, mm-hmm. the way they changed the style, and that's all down to Aliou Cisse, who realised that his players weren't pampered, but they were treated like adults and they were treated like human beings mm-hmm. regularly, which is something that we don't see across the African continent mm-hmm. with players and the way they're treated, where managers often fly business class or first class, and players are relegated to different flights sometimes in mm-hmm. in, in economy class. Very different for Senegal, so I think their background was 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 completely different leading up to this World Cup, and it 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 showed. I think just the 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 thing for me is the fact that yes, time and time again, this diaspora you talk about shows that African players, given an opportunity and correct guidance and development from the right age, can be the very best players in the world. I want to see more players, more opportunities being given to players by having better development, better guidance, better grassroots football. Um, from a young age, but I also want to see that hunger, that heart, that determination. I want to see better finishing. Mm. When you're dominating mm. a team, you must score, mm. and that's what mm. we're not seeing at the moment. I think plenty of positives to take out of this World Cup, despite the disappointment overall as a, as a blanket. Mm. Tiani, your thoughts on uh, what we can take from this particular moment? Yeah, more more, more on what uh, Dwayne is saying, you know, and also uh, what Tabiso mentioned on the, on the lifestyle issue, you know, something that can be taught at development in the, in the proper structure. Um, you know, obviously the, the migration issue that he mentioned, um, you know, it only benefits one part of the of the of the of the world. You know, and p- players are leaving Africa for for, for Europe. We know it's not like Africa is getting the, the the players from Europe. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So obviously we have to um, you know uh, go back to to to. Uh, to, to the basics. For me, um, you know, uh, a lot of things that we maybe were waiting for us uh, in the past, like, for example, with Bafana, 
uh, when we're doing well, we're, we're playing school football, we're taking it very seriously. Uh, nowadays, uh, uh, what you see is no, no more uh, football on, 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 at schools. What you see is a teacher sitting with school kids drinking in a, in a tavern uh, in a village. And you know? smoking hookah. Uh, <laughs> so we, we're getting away from the things that work mm. for us, and we're trying to uh, do things that are not working for us. Simple. Go back to the basics. Should we actually take the, responsi- the responsibility back to uh, the associations on the continent? I think so. I think uh, Africa should stop uh, playing uh, an event, football. We are event-driven in Africa. We don't plan. We need to go back and do a proper plan and say, listen, the next World Cup is in Qatar. Look at the players that we have and their abilities and their development and say, uh-uh, they will not be ready for, for Qatar. Let's have a plan and look at the next World Cup, which will be a joint uh, hosted by Canada, USA, and Mexico. Mm-hmm. Give these players eight years, your top players, that you believe in, that they are highly talented. Put them in a program and, pro- and, and work and, with and them. That's, for that's, that's focusing for on youth years. development, of course. It can be youth development. Okay. It can be one of your top players who are playing in the Premier League. But have a plan and be able to pinpoint and say, I don't want to, to, to win uh, Qatar. I'll go there for development purposes. Mm. My, my goal is to go and compete in the United States, Canada, and Mexico and play to win. Mm. You need to give players an eight-year cycle to gain experience, to compete on the continent, to compete with other countries, mm. preparing them for that event, that, that World Cup that you are looking for. If we start doing that thing, we'll get it right. Brazil, as I'm talking to you now, the under-19 of Brazil, is in the World Cup. eight or mm. nine mm. of their players will be playing when the U.S. Mm. and Canada host mm. them. Mm. Some of them were, were taken to this World Cup mm. that we are in, mm. not to play but to learn, mm. to get the experience of the atmosphere, to mm. train with the top, the neighbors of this world, to, mm. tab- to train with uh, Palinio, to travel with the team, to get the whole mm. picture of how the World Cup is being managed and run. Those players will play in, in the U.S. That's exactly what they did with mm. the, 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 the generation of Ronaldinho. Mm. Ronaldinho went to two World Cups, never played. They unleashed him on the third World Cup, and what did we get? He blew the entire world apart. We need to go back to proper development and to identify which goals we want to achieve and when. Well, I think the uh, word that would sum up that uh, conclusion is forward thinking. But thank you to our gents for giving us their time. Thank you to Tabiso Ndema, who was with me in studio and uh, one of our sports editors here, the only sports editor here, Dwayne Delock, who is SABC's sports commentator, and Tiana Wagamabasa, sports analyst and uh, Sowetan journalist, uh, also joining us on the line. Gents, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. As Africa. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you very much. That takes us to 11.42. Let's have some upbeat music from uh, the World Cup itself. This is Martin PK. This one is titled Stand as One.